Hello and welcome to another episode of From the Beginning, here on Heavenward Thinking. Today we're in Genesis chapter 45. We're finally to the part where Joseph is going to make himself known to his brothers. And we're going to get to see what the response is of his brothers when he makes himself known to them. So without any further ado, let's get right in to Genesis chapter 45, starting in verse 1. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him, because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed, and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been a famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Now, hurry back to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds, all you have. I will provide for you there, because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded to me in Egypt and about everything you have seen. And bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. When the news reached Pharaoh's palace that Joseph's brothers had come, Pharaoh and all his officials were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Tell your brothers, do this. Load your animals and return to the land of Canaan, and bring your father and your families back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you can enjoy the fat of the land. You are also directed to tell them, Do this, take some carts from Egypt for your children and your wives, and get your father and come. Never mind about all your belongings, because the best of all Egypt will be yours. So the sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them carts, as Pharaoh had commanded, and he also gave them provisions for their journey. To each of them he gave new clothing, but to Benjamin he gave three hundred shekels of silver and five sets of clothes. And this is what he sent to his father, ten donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other provisions for his journey. Then he sent his brothers away, and as they were leaving him, he said to them, Don't quarrel on the way. So they went up out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he is ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was stunned. He did not believe them. But when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, I'm convinced. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. So here we finally get to see the the confrontation, which was a good one here in this chapter, between Joseph and his brothers. After he's tested their hearts, after he's seen the kind of men they've become and seen what God's done in their lives, he finally cannot contain himself any longer and he makes himself known to his brothers. So he has the Egyptians leave his presence and he finally gets to reunite with his family. And it's interesting, we need to pay attention to the words that he uses because he doesn't just tell his brothers who he is, he stresses the importance of what God did through them. And he makes sure that they realize that it wasn't 
them who sent Joseph to Egypt, even though they were the ones that sell him into slavery, he says that it was God who sent him there because God had a plan to save not only the Israelites, not only his family, but the entire world. And he was going to preserve a remnant and he was going to bless them and do all these amazing things. God was fulfilling his promise that he had spoken all the way back with Abraham and continuing to be faithful to his covenant through this story of Joseph. So Joseph tells his brothers all these different things. He said, it was God who sent him ahead of him. And God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So Joseph, he's gone through all these different experiences that have built his character. We've seen him go from a kind of prideful young man to a man who is diligently serving God in whatever position it is, whether it's as a slave, whether it's as the head of of Potiphar's household, whether it's as the head of the jail when he was thrown into jail, or whether it's now being the head of all of Egypt. And as he describes it, he is like a father to Pharaoh and the head of his own household because God put him in this position. And so we see his great character, his godly character, and it's something that each of us should strive towards in our own lives. We should try to be like Joseph in this, where we are giving God the credit for all the good things and giving God the credit for how he works through all the bad things, all the difficult things, and how he has a plan uh, that no human beings could have. And so he points his brothers once again to the Lord and shows them that it was actually God who arranged for all these things, and God's been working in and through all the messy details of his life. Then he he tells his brothers and once again assures them it's really him. It's not someone just pretending to be him. It really is him. And they embrace him. They weep. They have this great uh, kumbaya moment finally. After all the difficult times they've gone through, they have this great moment. Pharaoh's household, his palace, they're all pleased. They're very excited. And they invite the Israelites to come down and to have the best part of the land in Egypt to be taken care of for the rest of their lives. And this is a a great, great proposition for Joseph's family because they were going to die. The famine was continuing to spread throughout the land and people weren't having food because they had not been prepared like Joseph and the Egyptians were. So this was an incredible opportunity for the Israelites. And Joseph stresses to them that they need to bring his father back, bring him down. They're going to have the best of land. They're going to get all these great things. He's going to take care of them. It's this great thing. He gives them all these carts. He gives them all these provisions and all these great gifts. Not sure why he decided to send them with him, where they're just going to come right back. But whatever the case is, he was making this a pretty big elaborate show to show, probably number one, that he wasn't going to kill them. I mean, we see here in this chapter that they were terrified. They couldn't even answer him at first because they were so mortified by what they had done in the past and their fear of what he could do now. He is the most powerful man. He could do whatever he wanted to to them. They're terrified. So he's probably here reassuring them, hey, I'm not going to kill you. And number two, trying to get them to actually do what he's telling them to do. Because we see here that he is probably concerned that they're going to give in to their natural tendency as a family to quarrel. Because he gives them a very strict warning of don't quarrel on the way. Somehow he knows that his brothers are pretty uh, messed up. Uh, and we've seen that they've come a long ways, but he still probably has these uh, fears of maybe they're still messed up. They probably are going to fight on the way. Hey, let me give you a warning. And, and that should be a, a warning for us as Christians. Sometimes we just need a warning from God. Hey, don't quarrel on your way. Because we are called to be peacemakers as Christians. We're called to live in peace with as many people as possible as far as it depends on us. We're supposed to make that peace with people because that is what separates us 
from other people. It's what shows us that we're Christians when we love people and when we live in peace with people as far as is possible on our end. We are supposed to be different than those around us. Here, even in the time of these Israelites, they are being challenged to be different than even they were in the past. Here, Joseph is telling them, don't quarrel. And sometimes we need that reminder as well. Stay focused, stay on mission. We often get sidetracked with division and with disagreements and with quarrels and arguments rather than staying on mission for God, staying on mission for what God's called us to do. And here, this could have been a, a easy temptation for them to fall into temptation, maybe fight over some of the great gifts Joseph was sending or fight over, hey, you know, their interpretation of how things had gone. Uh, Whatever the case is, he's telling him, stay focused, stay on mission and bring my father here. Then we see they, they return, they tell their father, Jacob, also known as Israel, they tell him everything that Joseph had said, they show him all these elaborate gifts and he doesn't believe it. He cannot believe them because, of course, you have to look back and remember what they had told him. They had told him he was killed by a wild animal and they had his robe and they stained it in blood so that it would look like Joseph was actually dead. This would be a big shock to them and it would be a big shock to their father as they're telling him. Imagine telling someone uh, that you totally lied to them and that you've been lying to them for years and years. That would probably not go so well and you'd probably be even more afraid as we, we've we seen them live in fear. They're probably still living in fear here because they are having to tell their father, oh, just kidding, we lied to you. Here's the truth. Your son that you thought has been dead all these years that you've been mourning over and being very dramatic about, he's actually alive. Finally, he is convinced when he sees all that Joseph had sent and when they told him all that Joseph had said, he realizes, yep, this is indeed his son and he is alive. And what does he say? He says, I'm convinced. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. He's never the one to not be dramatic. He is still being dramatic in this moment. What a great declaration, though, this time in his dramatic presentation. He is excited. He finally gets to go see his son Joseph his favorite son, of course, if we remember, and he gets to see him before he dies, which is going to be a great reunion, and we're going to see that in the coming chapters. But what we see here in this chapter is God is doing a lot of things. He's put the pieces into place. He's woven this amazing story out of all the mess and all the messy situations that human beings had created in this. Joseph's brother sold him into slavery. Joseph was thrown into prison. Joseph was demoted multiple, I mean, he was put into low places and then God raised him up through his humility that he learned and God raised him up to be a very powerful person so that he could save other people. God often does that in our lives. He uses us, not just so that we can be elevated to some great place and enjoy some great position. He uses us so that other people can benefit. He wants to use each and every one of us so that people can come to know Jesus. He wants us to work for him, with him, to do what he's called us to do. And he had the same thing going on in Joseph's life and in the lives of his brothers. He was weaving together this amazing story to show his grand design to show all of us what he can do with the broken pieces of our life. And we're going to continue to see that throughout the last chapters of Genesis, where we see Joseph telling his brothers again, at the very end, we're going to see once more that he is putting the focus on, look what God's done, not look at what you've done that's been wrong, not all that, but we're going to see that it's been God all along working through our situations, pushing the story forward to a great conclusion. And we see that here in the story of Joseph. All these wrong things fell into place, but God somehow was able to take all of that, put it back together, and make something amazing. 
And we see that here in this chapter. Joseph's brothers finally have their eyes opened. They finally have to come to the fact that, whoa, God was bigger than all of our mistakes. And that should be something that we can be encouraged about on a day-to-day basis. We serve a God who is bigger than all of our mistakes. He can use the broken parts of our life and make something amazing. So I want to challenge you with that and encourage you with that this week. And then join us next time for another episode of From the Beginning here on Having a Red Thinking.